the show is beginning. I want you to open up in your Bible um, to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 13. This morning, the call to action, uh, the challenge, the conclusion of the message is to awaken every one of you to the power and to the, the grace that prayer and fasting will release in your life. So this is a call to prayer and fasting. The last Sunday, the last day of 2023. I know many people would like to hear a message on being a new you in the year or more in 2024 or somehow becoming a person that you haven't been able to be up until this point to be a new person in 2024. But let me just tell you, you cannot be a new person with the same old mindset. You can't take this mind into 2024 and expect the year to be different unless your mind is renewed, unless your mind is changed, unless there is some ad adapting and, and, and refocusing and, and repenting. You know, repenting simply means a change of thought, a change of thinking. You stop thinking your own thoughts that haven't God that bring about the life and the plan and the purpose of God. Amen? And so this is a call to prayer and fasting. I have felt compelled uh, to bring this focus, something that has been an indispensable part of the life of Victory Church. Quite frankly, it's been an indispensable part of my life. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have been able to do the things I've done, accomplish the things God has enabled me to accomplish and move forward in life and ministry without the grace and the anointing that is dispensed through prayer and fasting. Every new year we begin with a season of prayer and fasting because we have learned the power and the effectiveness of that tool, of that weapon. Old Testament, New Testament, both reveal the value and the strategic nature of fasting. This morning I've asked uh, the pastoral staff, Pastor Lisa, Pastor Mike, Pastor Maureen, to each share for seven or eight minutes. We're going to put the stop timer on them, and the buzzer's going to go off, and they're going to, they're going to deliver the word of God in seven and eight minutes. If they're really anointing, I'll give them an extra 15 seconds. But I just want to introduce this passage of Scripture, Acts 13. How many of you have your Bibles this morning? I know you have your phone. Some of you are going to try to look spiritual like you're going on your phone media, and I know where you live. And I'm not restricted by a wire anymore. I could come right where you live, and I want to check your Bible translation. That's what I'm going to do this morning. Just kidding, just kidding. No, seriously, God sees what you're on right now, and he ain't, he ain't, he ain't winking at it. Hello? Okay, Acts 13. Acts 13. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit spoke. Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed, then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. I want to introduce this passage of Scripture as we look at the early church. The book of Acts covers approximately 30, 35 years. Some have even said up to 50 years of, of, of time 
This is the beginning of the church of Jesus Christ of which you and I have built upon the foundations of the prophets and the apostles and Jesus Christ himself. And we're here today because of what God has revealed in his word and the principles and the framework that he has established and he has shown us in the book of Acts. This is the church at Antioch. Antioch is about 300 miles north of Jerusalem where the first disciples had gathered for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and where the church was officially born. This is 300 miles or so into Syria. This is Antioch. And here is this church. And in Acts 13, we hear about the church at Antioch. There are seminary professors there are church growth strategists. There are pastors alike who believe that the church at Antioch was a model church. They even call it the Antiochian model. And it's used as one or it's set up as a model for other churches because it had some distinctivenesses that were and that prophetically speak to our day and to our age and to our time. Why would it be considered a model? Why would it be considered something that church growth analysts and specialists would study? Because, number one, it was a mix of cultures. It was cross-cultural. It's mentioned in the scriptures. They, they specifically mention a few different leaders. They mention uh, Simeon, who was called Niger. That word Niger in the original language means black. He was of African descent. Do I have any Africans here this morning? I thought I might hear a weak amen. Then we have Lucius of Cyrene. Cyrene was in northern Africa. Here he was, another African brother that was in the church. We have Mananean who grew up with Herod. He grew up in the courts of Herod. Herod went one way on his way to hell, and, and Mananean went on his way to heaven. But here we have someone who was in the political arena. He was in the places of leadership. He walked the halls of power. And then we have Saul. And the Bible tells us that there was, there was this group, this church at Antioch, that, that was not like Jerusalem. It was inclusive. It was inclusive, even though it, it had such diversity of cultures. I thank God for Victory Church that it is a church of many nations. I don't know about you, but when I travel places and I go and there's all white people, I don't feel comfortable. I love the diversity. I love the different cultures, the different nature. As a matter of fact, go to all black church, I don't feel comfortable either. Come on, some of you just said amen when I said all white churches. I don't hear you saying it when I say all black churches. Because I believe that the church of Jesus Christ should be a reflection of the community and of the world that we live in. What I love about Victory Church, anybody can come to this church and feel at home and feel at comfortable. Feel comfortable. Matter of fact, some people, they, they like to come to a church and they want to stand out. I'm glad at Victory Church, the only standout that we have is Jesus Christ. This church was of mixed culture. This church, number two, had a strong emphasis on the giftings of its leadership and of its members. It said there were prophets, there were teachers, there were leaders, there were missionaries, there were pastors, there were evangelists. This was a strong church, number three. It had a missional focus. This church at Antioch was so powerful, so anointed, and we're going to see because of prayer and fasting that it launched the missionary work, the missionary career of none other than the Apostle Paul. This became his missionary base. He would go back to Antioch over and over again because of the strong emphasis that it had on missions. We here at Victory Church are not just about being a blessing to one another, but being a blessing to our community and to the nations of the world. That's why we go to Africa. That's why we go to Israel. That's why we go to the nations of the world because we believe that Jesus called the church to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations, teaching them to observe whatsoever things I have commanded you. 
That is the work of the church. And we see at Antioch, an inter international church with strong and gifted leadership doing missions work. Can you say amen? amen. The church managed to do this by breaking down the natural barriers across different ethnic groups and produce, produce a gathering that was one new man in Christ. At the end of the day, we don't identify ourselves as Republican, as Democrat, as African, Italian. We declare that we are Christians. We are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the distinguishing characteristic of our life. Not these other things that people try to use to divide us, but what unifies us is the person and the work and the fellowship of Jesus Christ that makes us love one another, accept one another, and even forgive one another. Turn to the person next to you and say, sometimes I need to forgive you. Sometimes you need to forgive me. Hello? We're on the same page. And, and before I in, invite Pastor Lisa to come, but I want you to, I want to, I want to just propose this to you this morning. This is critical. This is critical. How do we do the mission of God? How do we do the works of God? How do we do these, these high and lofty uh, and, and very practical acts of ministry? How do we do this? We do it by God's anointing and God's presence. How did this church at Antioch become so strategic and so effective and become a model for churches throughout church history? They did it because of prayer and fasting. Think for a moment with me. Here is a church at Antioch. They have no buildings. They have no media. They have no PowerPoint. They have no sound equipment. They have no social media accounts, no iPhones. They don't even have a flip phone. No email, no live stream, no YouTube, no muse, no sound, no smoke, no lights, no worship team. They don't have any of that. You know, I thought in, 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 in this moment, uh, I thought of just having uh, the sound turned off, the lights turned off, the social media turned off. I was going to ask you to put your phones away. Because that's what it was like in the first, in the, in the church in Antioch. They had none of these things, but how did they impact the world? How did they do it with all the things? And I'm not saying these things are bad, that next week you're going to come here, we're pulling down the lights, we're, you know, we're going to have you bring in candles and, and, and you know, bring in scrolls for your Bible and go back to old school 2,000 years ago. I'm not saying that, but let's not trust in those things. So many ministries are built on those things. And let me tell you, in the day and age we live in a consumeristic society, you can grow a church by giving people what they want instead of giving them what they need. Oh, I thought I'd hear a better amen from some of you. But this church didn't have any of the things that we trust. Imagine, no media, no sound, no lights, no social media, no Facebook, no ability to communicate in the, these uh, advanced technological uh, ways that we have today. What did they have? They had the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. They had the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I'd like to just leave you with this quote. A.W. Tozer, make, take notes, that's a good author. Some of you say, I never heard of him before. You're hearing about him now. He said this, if the Holy Spirit was taken away from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and nobody would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everyone would know the difference. Would you open up your heart and hear what God is saying this morning as Pastor Lisa comes? May we be that church that if the Holy Spirit left, everything would be shut down. 
Um, before I begin, I was made aware of a very urgent prayer request this morning from Linda, and I want to pray for that. Her 14-year-old nephew has gone missing. And so we are the body of Christ, and we're talking about praying, and so we want to pray for him. Lord, we just ask you right now where this young man is. Father, we pray that you would return him home. Lord, we pray protection over him, around him. Lord, we pray that you would speak to him if this is of his own volition that he has left and that you would bring him home, God. We pray right now for the family that is waiting to hear from him and to find out his whereabouts. And we ask for a miracle that you return this young boy to his family today quickly and that we would hear testimony of that, Lord. And we thank you in faith believing in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I put my timer on ahead of time, and right before I came up, somehow I had had it on eight minutes, but I looked and it said 30. So it's a good thing I noticed that it said 30. Now it's, now it's back down to eight. So I wanted to read and bring out a few thoughts from Acts 13 in verse 2. It says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And you could replace the word ministered with worshiping in one translation and also blessing as they blessed the Lord and fasted. And so this morning, I just want to take a few minutes and talk about how fasting blesses the Lord. We do it for answers, and we do it to be obedient, but how does it bless the Lord? So I came up with a, a word for every letter of the word fast, and the first one is faithful. Remaining loyal and steadfast is the definition of faithful. And so fasting blesses God because it shows him that we want to be faithful to what he asks us to do. And there are things that God has that he wants to ask us to do, and he's trying and he's waiting, but there are times when we have to come away from everything normal in our lives, outside of family and jobs and things that we need to do, but we need to come away and fast and pray to open up our ears so that we can hear what God is wanting to say to us. I don't doubt for one second that there is not a moment that goes by that God doesn't want to speak something to us, whether it's a reminder of his love or his affection, whether it's a, a, a challenge he wants to give us, whether it's something he wants to point out in our life that he wants to change, or whether it's a new assignment. And so fasting shows that we want to be faithful to what God has asked us to do, and he has asked us to fast. 1 Samuel says, but be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully, faithfully with all of your heart and consider what great things he has done for you. And Lawrence, I so appreciated how you mentioned teaching the children how to be grateful and what to be grateful for. And we're the same way. We need to remind ourselves what we need to be grateful for. Our faithfulness to God means trusting in him through all circumstances. That's a real hard one for me. I don't know if it is for you, but to trust him through every circumstance, no matter how dark, no matter how wonderful, no matter how comfortable or uncomfortable, we need to trust God. And when we are faithful to him, it shows that we are trusting him. It means following his commandments even when we'd rather choose a different path. How often we say, well, I know that this is drawing so-and-so closer to the Lord, or I know it's drawing me closer to the Lord, but if I had my choice, I wouldn't have chosen this. Well, when you gave your life to Christ, you lost that because now there are things that he allows in our lives. He just does. The winds and the waves and the storms and the chaos but through that he touches our lives and he teaches us how to be faithful and how to trust him James 1 12 says blessed is the one who perseveres under trial 
because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And then the last one on the word faithful, Proverbs 28, 20. I love this scripture. A faithful person will be richly blessed. That does not necessarily mean money. It might, but there are other blessings that we need to be richly blessed with. The presence of God here at the church, in our homes, in our cars, the peace of God, no matter what we are going through. I want to be faithful to the Lord and bless him by being faithful and fasting, and I know that I will be richly blessed for that. The next one, A, in the word fast, attentive. Fasting blesses God because it shows him that we want to be attentive to what he wants to say to us. It shows we're attentive, we're waiting. You know, you hear that phrase, you're sitting on the edge of your seat, waiting. That's how God wants us to be, spiritually speaking, sitting on the edge of our seat, attentive to him, waiting. God, I'm waiting to hear what you want to say to me. I'm attentive. Romans 12, 2 tells us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is the will of God for your life? What is the will of God for my life? What is good and acceptable and perfect? And we will hear that when we are attentive to him. The definition of attentive is paying close attention to someone. I recently read that if you're having a conversation with someone and you're either holding your phone, you have it on the table, you have it right here next to you, that your body language is speaking to the person that you're, that you're trying to have a, or that's trying to have a conversation with you, that this is more important than the person in front of you. That really, that really struck me, and I need to work on that. You know, you go out to eat, got to have the phone. Why? Why do we have to, why cannot we miss one call or text? And we do that with Jesus, and I'm guilty of it. And I, and I, and I started a new habit, and I'm going to be transparent. I, I, before time went by, I got that phone right next to me again during my prayer time. I have to challenge myself. I don't need to hear from anybody during my prayer time but God. I only have it here because I have a minute and a half left, and I have, I have two more points so quickly. But be attentive to God. Put your phone away. Let him know that he's the most important thing to you. Next week... Monday through Friday, he's the most important thing to you. And the S is still, not moving or making a sound, deep silence and calm. That is, that is probably one of the hardest things for any of us to do. Not moving or making a sound, deep silence and calm. Being still before the Lord. And fasting blesses God because it shows we place a high priority on being still in his presence. Psalm 46.10 simply says this, be still and know that I am God. It doesn't say be lazy. It doesn't say sleep half the day and don't work. It doesn't say just, you know, lay back and not do anything about some of the things that are going on in your life, but be still in our hearts. He wants us to be still in our hearts and know that he is God. Make God's presence your priority. Enjoy being still before him. Enjoy talking to him. Enjoy listening to him. Seek him with all of your heart, soul, and strength. The T is trust. So we have faithful, attentive, still, and trust. Fasting blesses God because it shows us that we trust him and we are taking him at his word. And I love the definition of this. The firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something shows trust. Do you trust God this morning? Do we trust God this morning? And just in closing, Mark 9 talks about the, dad, the father who was bringing his son, who was demon-possessed, to the disciples, and they couldn't heal him. And so Jesus came down off the mountain after a time of prayer and said, bring the boy to me. He got a little frustrated because the disciples didn't have it right yet in what they needed to do for that kind of situation. And he said, bring the boy to me. And Jesus did heal him, and Jesus did set him free. 
But when the disciples asked him, why couldn't we uh, set this young boy free? And Jesus simply said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And I believe that is an indication that there are times in our lives, maybe there's nothing else that you can do. Prayer is the number one priority. Add fasting to it, and man, fasting gives that power punch to your prayers. Many of us in this room, I know the pastoral staff and leaders and elders, they have experienced that. The power punch that that fasting will give to your prayers. So I encourage you, bless God by your fasting next week. Be part of this week of fasting. Amen. Verse 1 says, Now there were in the church Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch. There's a reason why God leaves things in the Bible. Pastor made reference to this. How many of you know that who you listen to determines where you are right now, where you will be in the future, and who you will become? We have two men, lifelong friends. One of them killed John the Baptist and oversighted one of the trials that would put Jesus on the cross. The other became a powerful leader in the church. Two people connected, listening to different voices. Who you listen to greatly determines where you're going to be. If we jump to verse 5, it says, When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphmos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. Sergius Paulus is a very key character in this scripture. How many of you know that Jesus is in the business for not just changing individuals, but changing families? Jesus is in the business for changing communities. Jesus is in the business for changing regions, states, and nations. Amen? And so when we pray and fast, it's important to understand that it gives us a connection to God so that we hear his voice. God is always speaking. And sometimes we've allowed other voices to speak into our lives. And prayer and fasting can hit the reset button in our mind where we begin to hear the Holy Spirit speak clearly to us and we begin to walk in obedience with the things that God wants to do. And so when they release them to serve, it goes on to say that this man, Sergius Paulus, he was a man of intelligence. So he was a proconsul. And, and Roman provinces were broken up into two classes, one that was ruled by troops and one that wasn't. The one that was not ruled by troops was actually ruled by the Senate, and it was ruled by proconsuls. So a proconsul was a man of great integrity and great authority. He had jurisdiction over an entire province. And isn't it awesome that when they prayed and fasted and heard the word of the Lord on where to go, that this man actually was seeking out to hear the gospel message. Isn't that powerful? When we can hear the voice of God and we are obedient to what God wants to do, he will put you in a place where he will use you to change the areas in which you are over. Amen? We have no idea what God wants to do as far as a detailed map of what he wants to do in our nation. But we know that when we pray and fast, when God opens up our mind to be able to hear what the Spirit wants to do and we obey it, that you will begin to see changes in your life and around you. Amen? It gous on to say in the scripture, but Eliamus the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. So we have this man who was a proconsul, and it says that he was seeking to hear. Everybody say hear. When we pray and fast, we are seeking to hear. In verse 7, and B, uh, B, it says he sought to hear the word of the Lord. When God puts us in a place, how many of you know that there are going to be alliances that are around on the other side trying to speak things and pull people away from God? But when God gives you a word from the Lord and you are obedient to it, it doesn't matter who that person is, God's word will prevail. Amen? And that's what happened here. What's so powerful is God was about to change a region. It says that when they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, Paphos was known for immorality. They were known for the worship of the goddess of Venus. Venus was sexual love. This area was a dark place full of sexual immorality. But because the apostles heard the word of the Lord, because they prayed and fasted, he put them in a dark place to speak to a man who was over that area who would soon come to know Jesus Christ, and that region will be changed for the gospel of Christ. Amen? 
That's what God wants to do in our area. That's what God wants to do in your families. That's what God wants to do in your workplaces. But you've got to pray and fast so that you hear clearly with what God wants to do. Sir William actually said that they found inscriptions in Cyprus with Sergius's name on them, confirming that not only was he a Christian, but his entire family was a Christian. Amen? But we will sometimes hit roadblocks. We will, we will hit times of, of spiritual warfare where the enemy will try and stop the work of God. But when we pray and when we fast, nothing can stop the work of God. We just have to walk in obedience and listen and hear what the voice of the Holy Spirit is saying. And I love how it says Paul looked at him intently and then he called him out. He judged him in that moment. And what he said, he says, you're going to be struck with blindness. And then his eyes were darkened, and he was groping around. Isn't it so powerful that the word of God was preached, and the person who was trying to seek people away from the gospel was now, it says in the scriptures that darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by his hand. That's what God will do. He will shut the things that the enemy sends against you to lead you away, but prayer and fasting has got to open that up. Amen? I want to show you this video clip really quick of something that God did through Tara and I through prayer and fasting. Many of you heard of a young boy named Day Day who we came to know a couple years ago. And Day Day was someone who Tara and my girls would see at the park every day. They'd bring snacks for him. Day Day was hit by a car. And I want you to see what God does through prayer and fasting real quick. If you could just show that quick news clip. Right here on the 19th, and on a motorcycle crash in Providence, the details that are just coming into our newsroom. He does have skull fractures. He does have his lungs are damaged and his liver is damaged. This accident has affected his eyes. Emotional homecoming. We're bringing you the story of a nine-year-old home from the hospital after he was struck by a car on the way to a park. Here's his advice. NBC 10 News at 11 starts right now. Welcome home. A nine-year-old boy injured after he was hit by a car in Providence is greeted by the community and loved ones just after spending five days in the hospital. Thanks for joining us tonight. I'm Patrice Wood. And I'm Dan Janey. The night team's Molly Levine live in Providence with the emotional homecoming tonight. Molly? The boy was crossing Hawkins Street last Thursday in Providence, and he tells me he was heading to the park that he goes to pretty much every single day. But he didn't make it to the park. The accident happened before he got here. Day Day wanted to play at the park all day, and his mother agreed because a storm was coming the next day. Never wear slides to when it's raining and when you're going to go to the park alone. That's the nine-year-old's advice to other children going to the park, referring to his shoes. It was a little bit wet, so as he was walking, his slide slipped off. When he went back to get his slide was when he got hit by the car. Day Day spent four days in the ICU, five days total in the hospital. He does have skull fractures. He does have his lungs are damaged and his liver is damaged. This accident has affected his eyes. The road to recovery will be a long one, but the family says the support from his friends at the park and the North End community definitely helps. So every day my wife comes with our two girls and uh, they met Day Day and they're huge fans of Day Day. It's whenever we leave the park, when can we see Day Day again? And Thankfully, Day Day can come to the Hawkins Street Park to see his friends again. The nine-year-old is grateful to be here today with a community that loves him. Made me late. Late. I don't know how to explain it, but in me, happier than ever. Police say the driver was questioned at the scene, and the accident does remain under investigation at this time. Live in Providence, Molly Levine, NBC 10 News 19. As I close, what was so powerful is we heard the Lord. We saw the accident. We, I saw the blood in the street. The Holy Spirit said to go to the hospital. Never met his mom. Went to the hospital. Just sat. The place was chaotic. I saw a woman with a pink shirt because at the accident scene, someone said, that's his mom. I told her who I was. She, she said I, I, it, she was so clouded with what was happening. Finally, she took my hand. She brought me in to the emergency room. We laid hands on him as he had blood all over the place. She said, I, I feel the presence of God. I'm going to put you on the list because at that time it was COVID, so they were only allowing four people. We're going to make you one of them. We went back to the hospital day after day and prayed. He walked out of the hospital. You heard he had skull fractures. His, the, the car hit his legs. He was in the children's ministry two weeks after. She sent us notices that not only did he get back into dancing, 
because he, he was a, a cheerleader, he won the states that year. Then he went to, to uh, Florida and won the nationals. And then he won the globals. And I want you to put that picture up real quick as I close and Pastor Maureen comes up. This was him on day one. We prayed over him. The church was praying. Look at the day two. Next picture. He was standing completely healed. Neurologists came and cleared him to be able to do those things. Let me tell you something, church. When we listen to the voice of God, it changes regions. The entire community showed up. The news won't show it, but we had a prayer service where everyone was gathered around and laying hands on him. God is in the business for changing regions. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. So there's a lot to get when you pray and fast. And it also helps you to find your place within the body of Christ and serving God because that's ministering to God. Verse 2, I want to read again. While they were serving the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. And we saw, and Pastor had alluded to that, as far as the Antioch Church set aside that time of prayer and fasting, seeking God. And I thank God for victory because we do that every year, and we've been doing it for over, since we began the church. And it's not just once a year. We do it a couple of times a year, a few times a year. But I know when we come corporately together and fast and pray, there is power. I try to fast sometimes on my own. I get through the morning sometimes. It's difficult, but when we come together and agree together, there is power, people. So I want to encourage you to pray, fast, do something. If you've never fasted before, try fasting a lunch, a dinner, whatever, but do something to participate. So we will be doing fasting and prayer next week. And it was during that time that they were praying and fasting that the Holy Spirit called out, Barnabas and Saul, to a special missionary work. Now, but how many know when you walk out the door, that's a mission field. And we're here to serve God in so many different ways. And the Bible says also that when we come to Christ and we give our lives to Christ, he gives us talents and gifts in order to bless others, but also to build up and serve his church. We're not just a be here as pew sitters. We need to participate in what God has. First Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his variety, great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. And in the Living Bible in Romans 12.4-6, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. And in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So we see that we're all different parts, but we're one body, and we need one another. And each of us are gifted in a special way to function together as one with different talents and gifts. So we all need to do our part in order for victory to operate and to function properly because we need each other. It's just like your body. You have to, you need everything to function properly, right? So I just want to share a couple of benefits and reasons for serving. Because serving, I know some people don't like that word, but it is what we're called to do. First of all, to follow Jesus' example. Mark 10, 45, it says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And aren't we supposed to follow in his footsteps and be like him? Also, after Jesus washed the disciples' feet in John 13, he says, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. See, when we serve in any capacity, we're following Jesus' example, and he was the greatest servant of all. Serving will also help us to grow in our relationship with God. When you serve on a team or a ministry, you're surrounded by other believers who can encourage you and strengthen your walk with Christ. And I see that many times when we have our cafe ministry or we're out on the streets or in the van, I find many times the team, they're ministering to one another. 
and strengthening one another in their walk, whether they're going through difficulties, they encourage one another and help one another. And that will help you to grow in your relationship with Christ. Another reason, it helps you discover your purpose and you feel fulfilled. Acts 20, 35. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When you give of your time and your energy to serve someone else, there is a joy. Joy and spiritually you get recharged. I know when I go out into the streets, you know, to minister to the homeless, or like yesterday we were out on the streets evangelizing, there is a joy. It fulfills you. There's something about it that just re-energizes you. And I say that every time I go to New York to NISOM, there is something that energizes me. Leading teams on the street of Manhattan, going to the homeless, you know, I can't explain how it blesses you, but it keeps me going. That's all I can say, spiritually and emotionally. Also, in the midst of stepping out in an area to serve or going on a missions trip, God will reveal, can reveal the purpose for your life and reveal it to you. That happened to me when I went to NYSA many years ago. I was exposed to so many different ministries, and God really broke my heart for the homeless and also just showed me different ministries that we brought back here. That's why we have the Victory Cafe. We have Love Beyond Measure for the homeless women, and we go out on the streets to the homeless. That would never have happened for me if I didn't move out of my comfortable situation and take those steps, whether it was a missions trip or going to New York School of Urban Ministry. It really changed my life, and it gave me purpose, and it fulfills my life. And serving the Lord never gets old. You never get tired of it. You know, I've been on the streets for over 35 years. And the mission trip, nice, I'm going there. And I still have that passion. And only God can do that. Only God can give you that passion for the loss and the hurting. See, when you serve the Lord, he gives you the strength. And he fills you with that joy. And we know the joy of the Lord is our strength. So I share all that to say that in the midst of serving, when you're serving God, he can reveal to you. And while you're fasting and praying next week, he can reveal to you also what your ministry is, what he's called you to do, what your gift is. Have you ever asked God, what is my gift? A lot of people live their whole lives and never even ask the Lord, what is it that you've given me that I can function properly within the body of Christ? You know, um, lastly, because of the love for God. That's where we have to be serving because he first loved us, and you just want to love him back. So as we come together next week to fast and pray, let's pray that everyone will find their place and purpose here at Victory. There's so many opportunities that you hear all the time here at Victory. We, you know you have the nursery, the children, ministry, youth, greeters, ushers, parking lot. I mean, we go on and on. Outreach to the homeless, cafe ministry. But the calling of God is already on your life. You just have to hear from him. You have to put yourself in a place to hear from God, as Pastor Mike was just saying, hearing from God. And if you need help in finding where you belong, see one of our pastors. We'll help you. Or if you have something on your heart and you don't know where to begin, We'll help you. Paul and Barnabas were equipped and set apart during a time of prayer and fasting because they availed themselves of God. And when we avail ourselves to God next week during prayer and fasting, you never know what God's going to reveal to you. So I want to encourage you to approach it with the attitude that you're going to put yourself in a position to hear from God and also receive that anointing for whatever it is he has anointed you with and called you to do. Just think, can you imagine what it would be like if everyone did their part in victory? What would this church be like? We all know the scripture in Matthew 9:37. The harvest is plentiful, but the work is a few. But let that not be said of victory. Amen. Let's believe for more servants to rise up. Let us use our gifts and talents for the glory of God and that we would see more souls saved 
delivered, and set free. Amen? God bless you. Amen. Let's all stand together. Now we'll just talk about the nuts and bolts in conclusion. You said, why did I have you stand? In the book of Nehemiah, when Nehemiah got up, the Bible says when he began to read the word, they all stood up, and they stood up for a quarter of the day. I don't know if the quarter was four hours, six hours, but it was a long time. So the nuts and bolts, what are we talking about? We're talking about a time of prayer and fasting that's going to begin on Monday, January 8th. Everyone say, not tomorrow. You see, the reason why we um, plan and prepare strategically to preach and teach is to prepare you. Because we don't want to just throw this on you in the next day and then, okay, I'm going to fast. What does that mean? That's why on a Wednesday night we're going to do uh, a further in-depth teaching and also allow for question and answers to help you. Amen? Turn to the person next to you say, that's Pastor Richard. And he wants to help you. So January 8th to the 12th, Monday through Friday, five days, we'll have prayer at 12 to 1 noon. For those of you that work um, at night are not able to make it, then at night we have 6.30 to 8.30. What has blessed me as the pastor of this church is that I have seen over the years uh, many, many people show up. Sometimes people who show up for prayer and fasting uh, are so much, just it's such a blessing to see the response you know, it's not just the three or four people scrambling around trying to make something happen, but it's 30, 40, 50, 60 people that come out with a heart to seek God. That's, that's the when, the where is here at Victory. We'll meet, um, meet here for prayer. Uh, I said 12 to 1, 6.30 to 8.30. And uh, how, how do we do this? We, we deny ourselves physical food because we have a greater hunger for spiritual food. Uh, what does it mean to fast? Now, it means that you do not eat when you would have eaten. Now, those of you that sleep till 11, 12 o'clock, you can't count breakfast as a fast. Come on, I, I've been around too long. I know how Christians can get a little sneaky and a little clever in their, their rationalizations and excuses. No, it means that you, you deny yourself. You know, during the holidays, none of us deny ourselves. I don't know about you, but for Christmas Eve, I had, I had a, a shrimp cocktail and baked stuffed shrimp and scallops, all seafood that I love, and it was like you just couldn't eat enough. And after you're eating, it's like you're trying to get pleasure out of it, but it's like it doesn't really satisfy. But when you pray and fast, your spirit man really gets satisfied and fulfilled. Jesus said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. He, you know, they left him, uh, he was hungry, they came back, and they brought him food, and he said, I'm not really hungry anymore, my soul, my spirit's been satisfied. So, so it's denying, and, and Wednesday night we'll get into this a little bit more. Uh, uh, the leadership, we, we do a, a, a fast, we, my, my last meal is Sunday night, my next meal might be Friday night or Saturday morning, but it's five days of, of no solid foods. Might do some juice, some broth, but, but nothing solid. Turn to the person next to you, nothing solid. But that might not be yours. You might do a meal. You might do two meals. Again, we are not mandating or dictating to how you should do your fast, but what we're saying is everyone should do something and should be sacrificial. That's the when, the where, the how, and the who is you. If not you, then who? If not here, then where? If not now, then when? And why? So that we can see God do some amazing things in and through our lives. I have been serving the Lord over 40 years, and if there was another way, if there was another strategy, another uh, silver bullet, if there was something that would do it, I would have done it by now. But I know through my study, through my research, through dialogue with men and women of God around the world that there is no greater spiritual weapon than prayer and fasting. I want to just close with something I read um, in a Bible that a, that a godly friend gave me. He read through the Bible, made notes, and he gave it to me. You know, that's a good idea. Some men, some women, you, you read through your Bible, write notes, leave it to your children. Leave it to your grandchildren. Give it to a friend. Leave a legacy of what God speaks to you. I met a pastor once that 
uh, he was carrying around this real pink Bible. And uh, he made sure when he got in the room and he, he said, I want you to explain to you why I have a pink Bible. He says, this is my granddaughter's Bible. I'm going to read through it this year and I'm going to make notes and I'm going to leave it to her as a legacy. How many think that's a good idea? See, you already got more than you put in the offering today. That was a good idea. Amen. That's a, that's a godly idea. Well, anyway, this Bible that my friend gave me, it, it had in the Bible that the great evangelism movement that came from the Antioch church was birth in prayer and fasting. All genuine times of revival are saturated in prayer and fasting. Evangelist Billy Sunday understood this well. Tens of thousands of earnest Christians met in homes to pray for his crusades. A lot of time we look at great men and women of God and think they're so great. Understand there are people that are praying behind them. It's not about being great. Amen? There's no, nobody really great. There's only a great God that uses ordinary people. But he does it through the means of prayer and fasting. And the Bible, uh, in this article, goes on to say that, that people were praying and fasting, thousands of people, and God brought about revival through his ministry. One more, the Shang Tung revival took place less than 20 years before the communist takeover of China. Reflecting on these remarkable days, missionary C.L. Culpepper wrote, people love to pray. Many times prayer meetings lasted two or three hours. The prayers were not long and monotonous, but fervent, sometimes tearful, always as if those praying were simply talking to the Father with the confidence he was listening. Many parents came to know the Lord through the prayers of their children. Teachers were saved because their students prayed for them. There was no cheap advertising a prayer for the sick, but in simple childlike faith, these people prayed for the sick and many were healed. Let's believe God during this time of consecrating ourselves to prayer and fasting for 2024. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for what you have been speaking this morning through your servants. We thank you for the hearts that are open to receive the word of God today and to put it into practice. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, let people have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Not a pastor or a leader trying to convince them to do something, but you, God, speaking through your servants and bringing about um, a, a conviction and a, and a desire to seek you with all their hearts. Father God, anoint this time. Let this time of prayer and fasting be one of the most powerful times in the history of this church. God, we're living in desperate times, and we need desperate measures to meet the times. So, Father God, we pray for a move of the Spirit in this place. We pray for a fresh anointing over your church. God, we pray you would do something beyond what man could do, what we would desire to do, but do what only you can do because we know that it's not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit, Lord. We thank you for everyone here, every family. God, let there be, God, such a high percentage of participation in the strategic time, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. We'll see many of you back here tonight at 11 o'clock. God bless you.